0: Improve your focus with Calm's curated music tracks and drift off to dreamland with Calm's imaginative sleep stories. Go to calm.com slash AMR and for a limited time, get 40% off your Calm premium subscription with hundreds of hours of programming, unlimited access to Calm's entire library, and new content added every week. Thanks to BetterHelp for its continued support of Another Mother Runner. For 10% off your first month, go to betterhelp.com slash AMR. Start living a better life today. Get the support you need from our partner Handful, the maker of our favorite sports bras. Choose from seven styles of bras in an array of colors. Save 15% at Handful.com with promo code HandfulAMR15.
1: Welcome to AMR Trains, a podcast about training and racing and endurance sports. I'm Dimity McDowell, co-founder of Another Mother Runner.
2: And I am Sarah Wassner Flynn. Dimity, pleased to report that I ran eight
1: miles the other day, which is the most I've run since
2: breaking my foot.
1: So getting up there. Nice, nice. Well, and so um, eight miles. So how did it feel? It
2: felt great. I can no longer, like, I think that this injury is behind me. I feel like... You no, know, I'm ready to move forward doing some speed work. Maybe I'm kind of, I did sign myself up for the 13.1 crush program. So, um, I have that on the
3: horizon,
2: <laughs> I'm like, okay, I got to get a few more. Uh, you know, I got to crank things up a little bit. I've been doing like nice, easy runs. Um, it's been so cold. Like I usually do my long run on Saturday and I think it was like 19 degrees or 18 degrees with like a seven degree wind chill, chill on Saturday. So you know the thought of doing anything fast in that temperature is like very oh. daunting. So just took it easy with a friend. We actually got lost, and that's why we ended up doing eight miles. I was actually only supposed to do seven, but you know we tacked on an extra mile.
1: So oh, I'm happy. Good.
2: to be you know venturing down the path of
1: thirteen point
2: one pretty
1: soon. Good. Yeah, do you have your yeah, eye on sure. a, Do you have an eye on a spring race yet, or?
2: Yes, I'm um, actually signed up for the Rock and Roll DC uh, half. Okay, and when is that? Uh, it's it's coming up. It's March 26th, I believe. So, oh, okay. I won't be like fully prepared. You know, the program will probably get me to a certain point just to be able to do the distance. I'm not expecting anything like a PR or anything close to it, but then I was thinking to continue the program. I'll, I'll find another race that's, you know, will match up and and suit it nicely for for the distance for the amount of time that we're supposed to be training. Good. Okay. Um but yeah, there's a bunch of uh, races locally in the DC area in the spring. I usually do cherry blossom. That's a ten miler. But um, I'm excited. Okay. I think that you know, I was I was so timid to run for a while after having this injury. But the pain is gone. Thank goodness. I'm knocking on wood here that I don't have any other injuries. In the- yeah, <laughs> in yeah. Future. But Ugh. having something like that like sidelined me for so long it was it was depressing. So now I'm like looking forward to spring with uh, some new hope.
1: New hope yeah. in the spring. How- yeah. How about you? How's your uh, cycling going? Oh, you know, it's going. <laughs> um, it's going well, actually. I'm, I am uh, Zwift racing again tonight at um, like five o'clock, which is weird. I usually don't exercise at night, you know, and so that's mm-hmm. a little bit like getting myself kind of geared up and thinking about like what I'm going to eat during the day and then. And then racing, and it's it's a hard, you know, you work hard during that race. And so then mm-hmm. it's like, you know, done around 6, 6.30. And then I'm like, okay, decompress. You got to go to bed soon. <laughs> so yeah, that's a, a little time. It is. It is. But it's mm-hmm. worth it. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm not saying go to bed at 6.30, but I usually go to, you know, think about getting in bed 8.30 to 9-ish. So it's usually a little bit later, but with a sense of satisfaction at least that's what happened last time hopefully that will happen mm. again this time but but you never know but yeah i'm getting geared up to start um training for real um for the iron horse which is a bike ride in Durango Colorado it is um so that's the southwest corner of the mm-hmm. state and Sarah, our uh, uh, grant i'm sorry grant my husband and i were supposed to do it in um 2020 and it got um pushed back of course because of the pandemic and so it's going this year it's its 50th anniversary i think and it's a uh, um it's a significant ride it's um it's 50 miles but it's like six thousand feet of climbing which um you know i'm not a lithe little climber so it's definitely i'm going to uh for the next couple months we will be talking a lot about um if my, <laughs> if my climbing has gotten any better because lord knows it better i am i'm otherwise i'm gonna have a long day at iron horse so um, yeah, so that's that's what's going on with me, and um, I'm really excited about our podcast today because we've got two awesome ladies that are here to join us. Talk about training, talk about race stories, talk about running backgrounds, everything that we love to do when we're on the run or after a race. Um, our guests are the newest members of the Train Like a Mother team. Uh, we are thrilled to add both Jess Hoffheimer and Amy Skowich as the coaches of our traditional programs. Um, so that are they have a 10K, they have two 10K programs, they have a 10 mile program, they have um, a variety of half marathon and marathon programs. They're the programs that coach Amanda used to run. Um, She made the decision recently to step back from Train Like a Mother to focus more on her writing career.
2: Jess and Amy are both based near Cary, North Carolina and are accomplished runners, moms, and more recently, partners in coaching. Together, they are the women behind Pace of Me, a personal coaching company that shares a name with Jess's popular Instagram account, and many of you may actually already follow her. Amy joined Jess last August, allowing them to expand to help more athletes reach their goals and enjoy the journey now, hopefully, including some of you.
1: Yes, absolutely. So let's start with how you got into running. Jess, um, you weren't always a 309 marathoner or even a runner for that matter. Can you share about how running helps you replace a bad habit for a good one? Yeah, absolutely.
4: Um, Yeah, definitely. I was not a runner. Uh, I did never, I never really imagined this for myself to be very honest with you. Um, but in my, in, in, in high school, I played soccer and I loved, I loved team sports. Running was not something that I loved. I had to do it just to be able to do the things I loved. But then during college, um, you know, I played club soccer for a little while, but I was more into the social aspects of college. Um, and that didn't really lend itself well to my athleticism. Um I also went through some really- I think we've all been there, I know. That's I, okay. I I mean it was you know, I, I went to a big school and you know, going out was a part of, of the social life. And um, so I, and I enjoyed that, but then um, I also went through some hard things in college. I had a really close friend of mine die tragically while I was in, in college. And I, I really think that um, was a, you know, beginning of a lot of depression for me. And after that, I mean, I, I didn't even know if I could finish college to be honest with you, but I, I mean, I did, um, when I got out of school and started working, um, I just had no, no real habits of self-care. I mean, I drank diet Mountain Dew, like, um, it was, I don't think I drank any water. I just remember consuming a lot of big gulps of that.
0: <laughs> um,
4: and like, you know, coffee I actually smoked cigarettes, which was, Um, thankfully like a short lived habit for me, but I picked it up in college and I was doing that, um, you know, out of school and we would go out on like a Thursday night. I lived in DC at the time and like, we wouldn't even go out until, way past my bedtime now. I mean, it was like nine o'clock and we'd be like, okay, where do we, what do we want to do tonight? Um, and that was sort of my lifestyle and, and I got fed up with it to be like, really Frank, I just was pretty down and, um, wanted to take better care of myself as a young professional living in the city. And, um, you know, I was on like a pretty tight budget and thought running seemed like, a doable thing. Like it wasn't then anyway, it wasn't as expensive as it is now with <laughs> all the sure, sure. Um, but I had had a friend in high school who wasn't like, she wasn't much of an athlete in school. Like, um, you know, I felt like she, she's like a super fun girl. And I don't mean to say that in a way of like, uh, Oh, like she wasn't an athletic and she did a marathon, but like it inspired me because I was like, well, she wasn't like the star, you know, on the track team or something like that. And she did this thing called a marathon. And I had seen her at a friend's wedding and I was so like amazed and inspired by what she had done. And I thought, well, she can do that. Maybe I can do that too. And so I literally bought a book called how to train for and run your best marathon. Um, and I decided I was going to quit smoking. Um, I was dating my now husband at the time. And, um, I remember going to visit my parents Um, and flying on the airplane, they were living, they had a house in uh, Southwest Florida and on the airplane, I just hand wrote out a training plan for myself based on this book. And it was all time-based. It was not miles. It was minutes. And that seemed really doable to my, you know, 22, 23 year old brain. I was like, okay, I, I think I can do that. My first run was like 12 minutes and I got to Florida and I remember my, mom and sisters uh being like poor Jess like what does she think she's doing uh, <laughs> and I went out there I mean, it was so it was April in southwest Florida it was so hot there were no trees and uh I don't know what my piece was you- I didn't have a garment but I'm telling you it was <laughs> close it felt like death I was like this is <laughs> the hardest thing but I did it. And, uh, I didn't even know a marathon, how far it was. I'd never done a 5k. I really, I truly was so naive. Um, but I, that was April. And by the end of November, I did the Philadelphia marathon. It took me five hours and 23 minutes. Um, and I just, I feel like it changed me forever. I mean, really did. So that, that was how I got in into it. Um, and that was in the year 2000. So it was a long time ago. (laughs) What a story though. Wow. I think we can all relate
2: to that. Like I said, you know, I was even, I ran D1 uh, in college Um, and I still had those those, uh, those nights where I would go out really late and and drink the soda and who knows what else. And, (laughs) you know, wonder why I wasn't performing the way I should have been performing. And I look back, I'm like, Oh, what a wasted opportunity back then when I actually had the resources and coaching Mm -hmm. and built in practice time and everything. But, you know, we're, we're only in our twenties once, so you got to live them. Well, I do have friends
4: like who ran, um, you know, collegiately or ran when they were really young and. Um, you know, sometimes they, they'll, they've said to me, cause I've wondered, I'm like, gosh, if I could achieve as much as they have, you know, when I didn't start till later and I've had huge breaks in over the last 20 some years of being a runner. Um, you know, and I've wondered, like, oh, would I, would I, could, should I, could I, you know, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And some of my friends who ran, you know, at very high levels younger, they're like, they kind of envy the later start that I had because they burned out, you know. And mm-hmm. um, so it, the grass can sometimes look greener, but I feel like just kind of owning your path, that's how I've had to look at it. It's like, well, this is mm-hmm. now I kind of, I just want to um, preserve that idea of like enjoying it long-term and, you know, preserving longevity, I guess, and like that vitality. Mm-hmm. So I can always have an element of curiosity and joy with it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. I know. Amy, you
2: had a different route. You were actually a softball player and you did a bunch of other sports before you started running. So what made you finally take the leap into it?
3: I started running when I met my now ex-husband. He was my first husband at a softball, beer league softball game. And he convinced me to start running marathons. And we actually did the Disney marathon as our first marathon. So, um, he got me into my, into my start.
1: Nice. Nice. Well, and so, And um, from what I understand, having talked to you a couple of times, you kept the running, you ditched the husband. Is that right? (laughs) And
3: and being pretty clear. Yes, I kept the best part of the relationship.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. And you were, but you were a very well-rounded athlete. I mean, it sounds like you played every other sport known to man prior to this, right? Yes.
3: I loved, I played football, soccer. It's football I dragged my now current husband into. Um, He's also a really great athlete. But yeah, soccer, softball, basketball, all of the sports, as many sports as I possibly could.
1: Nice. Nice. Um, well, so it looks like the two of you. So you, again, you're both based in Carolina, and in Cary, North Carolina, I should say, or just Carolina if you're, you know, local. <laughs> just making that up. Um, you've done some epic runs together. The American Tobacco Trail. Is that mm-hmm. right? What What is that? And, um, you know, are you training partners <laughs> as well as coaching partners or talk about your day-to-day, how many miles you log together? (laughs) Um, uh, American Tobacco
4: Trail is a local like rail to trail um, trail here Mm -hmm. in the Raleigh area. And I believe, Amy, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the whole thing point to point is like 22. No. Yeah. Like 22 miles long. Um, And it's really beautiful. Is that right? I think it's 22.
3: Yep, yeah, yeah, it's about 22 yeah.
4: from Apex all the way to Durham. Yeah. So, and it's um it's well known because a lot of the co- we have a lot of colleges um and universities here in this area, including UNC Chapel Hill, which is where Chalene went to oh, school. Yeah. And she, it's like her favorite trail. And whenever she's here, um, she'll run on it and take pictures of it. It's I don't know how many miles of it. I want to say like close to like maybe six miles of it is this beautiful, like sand, dirt, pine needle path. Uh, it was just like gorgeous pine trees and, um, bridge, wooden bridges. And I mean, it's so, it's so beautiful. I just probably It's probably more like seven miles of it. Um, And then the rest is just a paved, a paved trail. Um, And we, we love to train on it. It, There's a marathon on it and other race distances. I've actually never done those, but Amy has, Um, I just train. We love to train on it. It's a good meeting place for the two of us. Um, We probably run. uh, It depends. Our lives are really different right now. Amy has a child in, is she in first grade now, Amy? Elle? Yeah, she's in first grade. Elle's in first grade. And then I have a fifth grader, a ninth grader, and a, um, a junior, what's that 11th grader? (laughs) Um, I'm like, ah, so we're, we're just at like very different times in our, our motherhood journeys. Um, Mm -hmm. and like our schools don't start at the same time, but we try to make it work. We definitely try to do our long runs together. And, um, I feel like in the summer we get to run more frequently together, but we do, we train together, um, as much as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that trait that the
2: trail, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Katie Zafaris. She's the world champion. Tra- yeah, of course. So she just recently moved to North Carolina and was like talking about the trail and how she was like, so excited
4: to train on it and everything. So you might actually see her around. We've totally seen her. We have, yeah, well, uh, yeah. cool. she also yeah. runs in Umstead which is another really awesome place to run here. It's a beautiful, beautiful park. There's a hundred mile race in there. Lots of the college teams, again, like we have UNC Chapel Hill NC state and we'll, we'll have schools coming up here to train. Um, and you'll see lots of high schoolers, like lots of pro runners will run through there, including Katie. So we mm-hmm. see a lot of um, I do the Puma team is out here now coached oh. by um. Oh my gosh. Jamie Jamie Craig, Yeah. yeah.
2: (laughs) Molly Seidel
4: might be out there. That's well, we hope that would be cool. (laughs) We haven't seen her. I have not spied her out here, but um, it's it's awesome. Raleigh, the Raleigh area is a super great place to run and train and um by other runners. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but to get out here like, they're just like us. They, you know, they right, tie their right. shoes. Yeah. I know. Goos. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Totally,
4: yeah. totally. <laughs>
2: Um, so let's switch gears a little bit, um, to something a little more serious, but Jess, I've been actually following you a while for on on Instagram and I always appreciated your transparency about your struggle and recovery from disordered eating and overtraining. Um, and I know you spoke about it recently when you hit that amazing PR last last month at CIM. So can you talk a little bit about why
4: you chose up to open up about that and where you are now in your journey? Oh yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, uh, I don't want to like be long-winded here, but, um, I have to back up a little bit, uh, with, uh, with regards to like, uh, my history with eating disorder, you know, this actually started with me. The earliest memory I have is when I was in third grade, I was nine years old. So these are, you know, patterns inside of me that, you know, it's really like a a coping mechanism for hard times in life. And I use it as a tool to manage that stress. Of course, I didn't realize that at the time. And it took me decades to come to an understanding of that. um, And a lot, a lot of work. Um, And I would sort of like relapse into it during hard times in my life without necessarily understanding that that's what I was doing. Um, and like I alluded earlier to my friend in college who passed away tragically, um, you know, during that time, I, I resorted again to, um, coping with that pain with disordered eating. And, and my pattern would be to just, like not have an appetite and under under eat, um, and so but then I'd get I'd get better and like kind of leave that pattern. It was never for me about um, you know I think a lot of people who don't experience disordered eating um, have a this idea behind it as like trying to like being really obsessed with numbers and calories and weighing yourself and met you know counting calories and I think it can certainly manifest that way. For me, that wasn't the case. It was, um, like, it sounds, it sounds like almost hard to believe that someone could not recognize that that was what they were doing, but I I just truly, I truly didn't. Um, when I was a young mom, you know, in my, um, like, I guess I I wasn't that young, but like in my mid thirties, when I had my third child, um, Gus, who's now um, almost 11. uh, I, after he was born, I was really determined. I was in this place in my life prior to getting pregnant with him where I had gotten my running coach certification. And I realized that I was capable of more through this sport than I had achieved. And I was really excited to try to put some of that training into place and, and discover, you know, what I was capable of at the time I wanted to run a four hour marathon. Um, My PR at the time was four thirty five, So that was a big goal, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And Gus was a little baby and I was working hard. I was putting in the training, Um, and I was seeing results from that. I didn't realize, however, that, you know, that's a really stressful thing to be a mom of three, um, you know, and training for marathons. And I started to eat a lot less. I did not realize that that was what I was doing. Um, but I was losing weight and I was running faster. And so it kind of snuck up on me, I guess I would say. And I, developed very disordered eating behavior again. Um, but I feel like, you know, at the time my running was sort of being rewarded by that. And I, people that love me and are close to me recognize those patterns because they saw them surfacing again, um, and would express concern. And I would be like, well, this must just be what my body's doing. Cause I'm, I w I thought I was eating, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would sort of like no one, at least in my experience, no one sets out to it's, it's not fun to have an eating disorder. It was really painful. And it was so hard to have people who love me. D- I felt like they were doubting my progress of my running. Um, they didn't understand that like, well, maybe my body just did this when I was working this hard. Right. And, um, I would go to my doctor and they would not say anything was wrong. I never lost my period. You know, I, I, I think it's just really unfortunate that, um, you know, the red flags for me, were what did you always look for with, with like, stress fractures, stress reactions, um, you know, red S like, you know, losing your period. None of that was showing up for me. And I was drastically underweight. I can see that now, but at the time my doctor, you know, my body, everything looked like it was okay. And so I just kept going and pushing and avoiding dealing with what like was really happening. Um, and it got to a point where that was just, um, my, I felt like my life was falling apart. I, um, you know, all my relationships were, were suffering. I, um, struggled a ton with anxiety around racing. I could not do a race without having major GI distress. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I what and then, and then I wasn't enjoying it anymore, Um, I guess I just kind of like woke up to it. Uh, probably at this point, I would say like the day I ran my PR prior to recently was at Boston 2014. And I ran a 3:11 there with a major stop at the porta potty. Um, it was really bad. I crossed the finish line faster than ever. And I could not even stand up straight. I had to get back to the place we were staying at and I was curled up in a fetal position. I mean, I was, it's so disgusting, but like, I, I had blood in my stool, um, for days. I was, I was really sick and all my friends were celebrating and I was so sick. Mm -hmm. I ran my fastest ever marathon though. So it was like, I used running as a way of hiding from, this pain, you know, this pain that I was in, and this behavior that was—I mean, it was killing me. I—I I know that sounds like severe, but it really was. And, and you were
2: able to recognize that, though, because sometimes you just think, "Well, I just yeah. went through this horrible, you know, this long journey of twenty-six point two miles, and my body mm-hmm. beat up." But you were able to see it for for more than that,
4: right? And I think, though, I honestly like—I think, like my sisters. I have three sisters, um, and my mom and my husband in particular, they loved me through that. I was, I, I, it was painful to love me. I I'm sure (laughs) (laughs) because I was hurting myself and I was hurting them because they love me, you know? Um, and it was really, uh, probably took, I would say another year or so before I was like yeah, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm, you know, but then, then was the real work, you know, because that awareness in and of itself is excruciatingly painful. Cause you kind of wake up to that and you realize like that you did this to yourself um, and you didn't mean to, and that's really scary mm-hmm. um, because like then the recovery is also up to you. And I sought help and, um, And I wasn't sure, you know, whether or not I'd believed in recovery. I said that to my therapist who I still work with the same woman, um, that started to help me. Then I remember the first appointment, like walking into her office and being like, I don't know if I believe because I think like Mm -hmm. I replaced, I, I thought like I replaced, you know, eating disorder falls into the category of addiction Mm -hmm. and running, I think I made that another addiction, you know, and it also, but it brings me so much joy, you know? And so I, I didn't know if I believed that it was possible. And she, she told me absolutely that it is. And um, she's worked with me a ton on just recognizing like um, my coping mechanisms as a person. And a lot of this has to do with like self-forgiveness and under understanding, knowing who you are and empowering yourself to move forward, not trying to eradicate these, um, things about yourself that maybe, you know, cause some of your, uh, all of us like are, it's like double-edged swords, you know, like it can be a strength and it can also be a weakness. Right. Um, and so like my spirit, my determined spirit, I am like someone who strives, like I can use that to my betterment or I can, um, you know, wreck myself with it. So learning who I am and like deciding that I'm going to choose better behaviors, um, to support myself as I continue to go forward nice. is how she's helped me.
1: That's great. That's great. Well, and so Amy, um, you know, you also have faced your struggles. I know you um, mentioned that you also had some eating issues in um, high school and college, um, but you also more recently have been diagnosed as a type one diabetic. And so tell us about how that diagnosis came about um, and and how that's kind of influenced your running.
3: Um, Yes. So in both of those things, from my endocrinologist's point of view, are not unrelated. Oh, interesting, Um, huh? Yes, (laughs) yes. In a sense that um, most cases of type 1 diabetes that we all are aware of happen, you know, when people are younger, when they're children, they're always, it's, it's an autoimmune disease, and it is essentially triggered by something. So whether that's some sort of other illness that, you know, kind of sends your body into overdrive. And then all of a sudden, you think it's all of a sudden that you are a type one diabetic, but it's been in your system, it just took something. And so my endocrinologist, um, endo, for short, seems to think that a lot of my severe restriction that I was doing throughout high school and in through college, and even, you know, as I, you know, struggled in the same way as Jess was saying, it's not really something that just went away. Um, It it took time and work, but there was a lot of damage that I did to my body on a cellular level. and um, So she thinks that that is related. And then I didn't get pregnant until I was later in life. Um, And we discovered during my pregnancy that I had um, at the time you know, I failed the test miserably. But it was interesting to me, at least when they tested me, um, it was pretty immediate that it happened, but they, they were just looking at the numbers, they weren't actually looking at what was happening to me, <laughs> physically. Um, and they just immediately, usually write gestational diabetes off as a type two, which is different, and they, for the most part, tell you that it probably will go away once you have the baby. Um, it did not. And they kept treating me as though I were a type two. And I kept having more and more problems. And I was running and I was, you know, the fact I, I'm a, a shorter person and it's like my I don't know how to I don't know. I didn't look like someone that that would walk into an office and have like type two diabetes and they were kind of stumped and they didn't understand, but they didn't go any further. They just um, took my A1C every few months. And I also have a um, thyroid issue. So, and, and tested that and okay, well, we'll just, we'll give you some medication and, and get the numbers, but they weren't really looking at my symptoms. But my symptoms were coming out when I was running and that was exposing a lot. And so finally, I went to a different doctor who kind of put two and two together and she tested my antibodies. I think we've all learned about antibodies now. <laughs> with, uh, yeah, with COVID. Um, and I, there's something called your GAD, all capital antibody that is pretty easy just to say, yep, you, you have type one diabetes and from then on, you know, we approached it very differently and my treatment is very different obviously and I very and though I still have runs and Jess has been there for some of these that um I have some issues with my diabetes, I do not have them to the severity that I did prior to getting the the new diagnosis and the new treatment and the new approach.
1: Nice. Well, and so um, one thing I wanted to ask you both, because um, I was just filling in your coach's bio the other day on the another Mother Runner website. And so Amy, you got your type one diabetes. I'm, first of all, I'm I, we should say, I'm sorry you had to go through all that. Jess and both you guys, I mean, that's a long, you know, Je- Jess's decades, Amy, your decades as well, probably a little bit more immediate with the the type one, type two um you know, snafu or or misunderstanding. But geez, like, that's got to increase your empathy um, for people who are struggling, um, for people who, you know, I think one of the things that's so hard right now about running um, in the social media age is people make it look so easy. Yeah. Because they can take 17 selfies, Mm -hmm. right, and post the one and then put their splits up. And you're like, oh, wow. I'm never going to get And there. I want to mm-hmm. say too, like just
4: to answer part of Sarah's question, that had a lot to do with why I wanted to be transparent about my journey, because I think that there is unfortunately a lot, a lot of people assume that we will run better. If we are smaller, we will be faster. If we are, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's in this guise of like extremes are sexy. That's what we're supposed to do. Like, you know, that, you know, we will, if we can be restrictive or, you know, it's like quote unquote disciplined um, and people, there's a lot of shame with that. And it's all also just false. It's not true. It's dangerous. Um, You know, and I, I just think it's really important to be honest about where you're at. And so that's why I wanted to share. Um, And and honestly, like as a coach, and I know Amy feels this way too, like, you know, this is, it's hard. It's a hard journey and it requires a lot of self love and self-compassion, meeting yourself where you are. And I think that's a huge reason why both of us really wanted to be coaches is so we could help others not feel alone in that and feel supported in the inevitable event of things, feeling hard, you know? Sure, so anyway, sure. I want yeah. to say that. <laughs>
2: You know that's so that's so important. And, like I was saying earlier, like if you have those life experiences, it just makes you such so much more empathetic to understanding, okay, I've been there or I I've experienced that, or I've had that. And like, let's not, not everybody's cookie cutter when it comes to training schedules or even how you approach a race or recover from a race. So Mm -hmm. it's good to have two of you who have had these vast experiences. Um, So we're going to have you put your coaches hat on hats on now for a little and talk about scheduling and time management. So, um, you know, many of us face the same hurdles when it comes to fitting it all in. You know, we're all moms here. We have different eight kids of different ages, demands, and there's work and other obligations and responsibilities in life. And I often find myself wishing for just a few more hours in the day <laughs> to get it all in. So when a client comes to you totally overwhelmed and with, about finding time to train, what do you tell them? Amy, you, you want to take that one?
3: Yeah. Yeah, I got that because um, I have kind of a, you know, no names obviously, but I have um, one that comes to mind and someone who is just doing everything up early. Mom works a full-time job. And at the same time, she's also helping coach some people um, on the side, like as a, as a strength type coach, um, gets up at six, you know, for six in the morning session a.m. morning, bleh, sorry, six a.m in the morning session. And and also is in an elected official of sorts in her town. So when we and there will be days, she will message me and it could be, you know, three, four o'clock in the afternoon. And she says, I didn't, I'm I'm not doing my run today. I didn't get my run in. I'm like, what are you talking about? You have more time. She's like, let's think about this. Do you not have, can we, can, we can shorten it today. You don't have to do 45 minutes. Do you have 30 minutes? Can we work on also how we schedule these and let's schedule them as meetings. So let's think about the times that are most likely to be successful for you. And let's carve out the time and really put it on your calendar and Unless you know you're sick or you're injured or something comes up, think of these like a work meeting with yourself, and um that has helped her a lot. And you know, she she did do the her run that night, and she came back and you know so happy. And thank you, thank you for you know just not letting me just let it slide. And you know how important this is to me. And thank you for helping me find a way. So um, I think it's just. It's a matter of knowing, knowing yourself and knowing your schedule and then finding a way to get it done. And sometimes it doesn't happen. You know, sometimes things come up. Sometimes, it, You know, your, something happens with your child or whatever. And those are moments where we can give ourselves grace. But other times it's about if you really want this, let's find a way and let's make it work.
0: Nice, Nice. How's 2022 shaping up for you so far? For many women I talk to, there's still a lot of speed bumps on the road to happiness or even contentment. BetterHelp can help you clear those hurdles. One of the many beauties of BetterHelp is its convenience. With BetterHelp, you connect in a safe and private online environment. You can start communicating in less than 48 hours with a licensed professional counselor. And because BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. Plus, BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. With BetterHelp, you'll get timely and thoughtful responses, and you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions and send a message to your counselor anytime. BetterHelp offers a broad range of expertise, which may not be locally available in many areas. Licensed professional counselors specialize in treating depression, stress, anxiety, trauma, anger, grief, self-esteem, and more. I turned to BetterHelp after months of frustration trying to find an available local therapist. Enough was enough. On a Monday, I decided to give BetterHelp a try, and by Wednesday, I was communicating with a sympathetic, knowledgeable, licensed professional counselor, making me feel I wasn't alone with my issues. Start living a happier life today. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com/amr. Join over 1 million people who've taken charge of their mental health. That's Better H E L P. slash AMR for 10% off your first month. Thanks, BetterHelp. Recently, our brand ambassadors compared notes online about sports bras. I wasn't the least bit surprised that a bunch of them are like Dimity and me, Team Handful. Annalise gushed Handful is the only brand of sports bra she wears, while Marisa is like me, replacing all her workout bras with Handful ones. I put in all my miles wearing the Handful Wyback bra, while Dimity opts for Handful's OG, the adjustable bra. Handful is based here in Portland, Oregon, and all their products are designed by women and backed by the Handful High Five, which are the F-words the brand swears by. Fashion, function, feel, fun, and fight against breast cancer. All Handful bras are made from smooth, quick-dry fabric, which gives chafe-free comfort no matter how far you go or which way you twist and bend. All Handful bras have removable pads, which provide welcome modesty. Or maybe you're like my larger busted soccer-playing teen daughter who opts to forego the pads entirely. Follow our lead and fall in love with Handful Bras. Save 15% at Handful.com with promo code HandfulAMR15. Again, that 15% code is HandfulAMR15 at Handful.com. HandfulAMR15 at Handful.com. Ever feel like life itself is a treadmill and you can't find the stop button? Take a break from the go, go, go with Calm. We're longtime partners with Calm, the number one mental wellness app to give you the tools that improve the way you feel and to help you manage the pace of life. And because I personally believe in Calm so strongly. Sleep more, stress less, live better with Calm. There are so many times of day and ways to use Calm. Follow my lead by clearing your head with guided daily meditations, improve your focus with Calm's curated music tracks, and drift off to dreamland with Calm's imaginative sleep stories. And when you go to calm.com slash AMR, you'll get a limited time offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programming with new content added every week. I'll confess, I inadvertently let my Calm subscription lapse recently. For those few days, I felt like my day got started on the wrong foot and workday stresses messed with me more. I snapped at my teens more than usual. Now that I'm back starting my day with a 10-minute daily trip, I carry a sense of, well, calm with me throughout the day. For listeners of the show, Calm is offering a special limited time promotion of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash AMR. Go to com slash AMR for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's calm.com slash AMR. Both of you guys have crushed big gold as
1: runners, um, all while helping your athletes get to their own finish line. So just Jess, Talk a little bit about how you strike a balance between coaching others and your own training. Does one kind of feed off the other?
4: Yeah, I mean, I love... I love, I feel like there's a lot of relatability, um, as a coach. Cause I'm like, I'm in the trenches too, you know? Uh, so yeah, I yeah, really exactly. I mean, I had a call with one of my athletes last night, um, who is, is, has just, she's recovering from COVID and she has a job that she has to travel and all this stuff. And I, I actually took an unplanned rest day yesterday for myself because my daughter tore her ACL on Sunday, um, and yesterday I, the kids had a school canceled, you know, these things happen. Like, oh, um, yeah, got canceled, yeah, sorry and that. I had to take my daughter to two ortho appointments. She had an X-ray and an MRI. And so, I mean, it was just going to be better for me to support myself with a rest day. Um, and so sure. when I, and then when I was talking to my, my client and I've, I've been coaching her for years and, you know, I feel like everything is connected. And so when I. When I can say, look, you know, sometimes like this is going to happen. Like, for example, guess what I did today? I took an unplanned rest day and I celebrate those kinds of things, you know, when because because this isn't if if the people that we're working with both, you know, our private clients and, um, you know, the athletes who are signing up for the, the train like a mother programs, um, you know wanted like a cookie cutter program, they would just buy, you know, like a book. Um, but here we're offering guidance and advice to like adapt things. And we want this training to really fit with our lives. And so we're going to need to understand that there's a balance between commitment and flexibility. Um, so for me, I'm in that. I'm constantly having to do that. And I I do. I think that they're very um, interconnected. Um, so I don't think I'd be the kind of coach I am if I wasn't also a runner, <laughs> I, mean, I think they're, sure, they're definitely sure. related. So, yeah, I mean, um, and there's different seasons to things like when I was recovering from my overtraining, like that was a very different type of commitment than what I am doing now. But I, I, I feel that I am better at this because of the path I've taken to get here, um, including the, sure. you know, the injuries and the overtraining and whatnot. So, um, you know, the people that I work with have all, all, everyone has a unique story. And at the same time, there's a lot of similarities, you know, be- between the beginner and the pro runners. I mean, like, you know, we're all in it together. So that's actually Amy. And I have that as our tagline for our group is it's in it together. I, I just feel that way. Like we're all in it together.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. One family. You know, yeah. it's that
4: idea yeah. of like the, this, the teacher is always a student. Um, I feel I learn most from the people I work with. So yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's hugely connected.
2: Yeah, that's great. So let's talk about dream chasing a bit. I mentioned before, Jess, you had a close to perfect race with a big two-minute PR at the California International Marathon. And afterwards, you posted that it was the strongest, most joyful, and beautiful races of your life.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And you went on to say, do not ever give up on yourself or your dreams. And it kind of reminded me of the message Kira D'Amato shared after uh. her American record last weekend, yeah. <laughs> because she kept talking about the big what if, right? Yeah. So, so many of us ponder... You know this this what if question, but we ignore it because we think we're too old or we're too injury prone or too whatever to go after a big goal. Um, and I know we could probably dedicate an entire episode to this, but can you briefly speak to the importance of holding on to that anything is possible
4: mindset? Yeah, I mean, I get a lot of people. You know, oh, I want to break four hours or I want to run my VQ or I, you know, like this is my big goal and it's this externally. Driven thing, like where someone else sets a bar that you need to achieve um, in order to, like, say say you've accomplished XYZ dream, right? Um, And I think those things are really cool because they inspire us to discover what that potential is inside of us, right? Um, And to take a, you know, bet on yourself, take a chance on yourself. Um, At the same time, I think that belief in possibility, that curiosity, It needs to go hand in hand with that because if all I did was say, oh, I want to run this time uh, that, you know, like when I said I want to break four hours, let's just use that as an example. Um, That actually, if I had stopped there, would I have run a 309 at age 45, you know, 10 years later, probably not. I would have just been like, cool, I did that thing. (laughs) You know, I broke four hours. Um, and I would have limited myself, right? And so I think this idea of like, anything is possible, like, or what, how, maybe I can like, it's like this excavation, this discovery process, like stay open to what's possible. That's way more fun, first of all, and it's limitless. Um, and that that to me, like allows you to uh, pursue your potential um, inside. I don't think anyone's ever too old for that. I think that it will, it will change. And it's really important for us um, to try not to define it by specific numbers per se, because if we're in this for the long haul, like, um, you know, which I think most people are, it's a way of life, it's a practice, then we're going to need to be comfortable ish, at least a little with the idea that. It's beyond numbers, right? Because when I'm when I'm 75, I would love to be winning my age group. Um, because I'm the only one in it. You know what I mean? But that is I'm not gonna most likely be even all that interested in running a 309 at 75. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I will like quote unquote slow down, but does that mean I'll have less um, important dreams? no like you have to just continue to keep yourself open to like defining things in new ways does
1: that make sense no i love that i think that's so smart and i think you know i think it's really important that i love the idea of just keeping yourself open to possibility i mean i know a lot of us shut down with the idea like oh i'm rounding the corner of midlife or i'm rounding the corner of you know a, a medical diagnosis like amy got and you're just like okay well it was fun while it lasted. I guess I'll just maintain from here on out or do my best from here on out, you know? And in fact, there's always a new chapter that can be turned, can be opened, can be read and written. And I just, I really think that that's so important because, um, I mean, we're, you know, we're not spring chickens anymore, yeah. all of any of us probably listening to this podcast. And I think it's so easy to get stuck in a rut like, oh, so I can't do that anymore. Or I'm, you know, I went slower today, so I'm never going to get faster again. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know, I mean, I know we all know this inherently, but I think it's really important to give voice to it and to also just talk about, I mean, really, you know, I mean, we keep bringing up your marathon PR and we should say, Amy, I think yours is like a minute slower. Is that right? Are you like a 310? Uh, Faster. Faster, oh, I'm sorry, gosh, oh my gosh. That's like, that's like like sacrilegious (laughs) need, I'm sorry. I was
3: gonna say, I ran my marathon PR after getting my type one diagnosis. And not, not because of it, but kind of almost in spite of it, it didn't stop me. And it still doesn't. I (laughs) for good or for bad. (laughs) But um, sometimes I,
1: you know, you push it a little bit. Yeah. I I have no idea what you're talking about. I have no idea. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But that's so cool. I mean, that's so and not that we're bringing up like, oh, my gosh, we've got these very swift coaches coming in to replace Amanda, who is also a very talented athlete. That's not the point. The point is, is that my gosh, here are these women that keep, you know, squeezing their sponges and trying to, in a healthy way. Again, we're not, you know, promoting overtraining or anything else like that. But like, what else is in there? What else do I got in me? You know, and I love that that attitude, you're going to bring that to the Train Like a Mother Club and to the athletes you coach. Because, I mean, everybody needs somebody to believe in them and everybody needs to like be like, wow, I see this slice of you that you might not see right now. But we're gonna find it. And guess what? Like it's gonna feel really freaking awesome, you know? Yeah. Um, I just I just I'm really excited for your athletes. I'm really excited for you guys. I just I love it. So um, so okay, we need to wrap up because this has been an <laughs> epic epic is a bit of marathon training. But let's see, just this spring, quick where you guys you guys are headed to Boston together, or what's what's the plan?
3: So, um, actually we have a couple, we have a few different
1: spring things together. Um, we're
3: both going to do the Myrtle beach half. Um, these are training leading up to Boston and okay. the shamrock half, um, which is in Virginia beach. Nice. And those are both in March and we'll, you know, we'll incorporate those as part of our Boston training and the in yeah, Boston together. Um, for that's pretty much our spring.
1: Nice. Nice. So fun.
3: Mm-hmm. What a great spring. So
2: any, you guys want to share any goals or are you keeping those close to the vest for Boston?
4: I'm not a keep close to the vest kind of person. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't, Barely. I don't honestly, like I've realized I've picked up over, you know, particularly the last, like, I'd say six years, um, through my recovery processes, I don't really set a time goal necessarily. What I want to do is find out what I can do. Right. And so I feel like the training process is like this, um, you know, it's like this refining process. Like you are kind of discovering, it's almost like a, it sounds so dorky, but, um, like a explorer. Like, I feel like I'm like digging deep in my training and like, you know, obviously like I believe in being very smart about your training. So I am a big fan of Um, intentional rest and whatnot. But like the training for me is the, is the, is the testing ground, like where I'm pushing myself and learning things. And then on the race day, it's like, an expression of what I've worked so hard for. So as it gets closer, I'm like, hey, you know, I think I'm capable of this time. Like when I was going to CIM, I I believed, and Amy and I had talked about this a lot in my training, you know, during the training, where I I, I believed I could break 311, which ultimately I was like, I wanted to do that because I was healthy and strong. And that was my old PR. Um, So I feel like for Boston, it's like, uh you know my old pr was run there my 311 was run in boston and i haven't run that course since 2016 and that year was when i was overtrained and i left my watch at home on purpose and just ran it for fun um and i ran a 409 that day so i feel like in my heart you know i want to have after running cim the way that i did where I just had so much fun and I ran faster than ever and like worked hard at the end, Um, that's how I wanna execute it. So I'm really into like, let's execute a really great day and find out what you can run. It's again, it brings up that curiosity and sense of possibility. So I feel pretty excited and curious about like, well, how fast can I run that course from this place? Um, so that would be my goal, but yeah, I mean if I could if I can continue on this path, like it should be faster than what I just did. So we'll see.
1: That's exciting. gotta be curious. yeah, yeah and Amy, what about you when you head to Boston are you do you have are you a similar track?
3: I yes, I mean for the most part, yeah, I have a goal in my life. I'd like to run a sub three like that is that's out there okay. Um, and I want to do it when the when it's right, when the course is right, when I feel good, when everything lines up on a good day. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold and squeeze that so hard that I make that almost counterproductive. Sure. So it's it's something that sure I'd love to do. I think I'm capable, um, but I want to go to. I have had some crazy boston for myself because most they were all before um i was diagnosed correctly i mean one year my doctor at the time or the pa at the time suggested i not even take my medication the night before the race and i didn't finish that year i was carted off and and i made it about halfway and then i passed out and was in the hospital so um yeah, it's so I, I really and being from up there and having my family up there and have gone to school up there, it's it's an important race to me in for personal reasons. So I just like Jess is saying, I want to have the race that I'm capable of having and whatever the clock time says it is. But yeah. I, I want to finish feeling strong and, you know, not
1: end up in a medical situation. Yeah, some redemption. Um, yeah, I <laughs> yeah. love it. I love it. That's where I'm at with it that's great well ladies thank you so much for your time today and for sharing your awesome stories with us it's so fun to know kind of the background and the motivations and the stories behind coaches so that um you know that there's a place for you there you know there's a place where anybody can fit in i mean you know again i just want to emphasize i know we don't talk a lot about times on this podcast and and we're not here to you know, flash them in front of you because that's how quickly they would run. Past right. This right now, mm-hmm. um, yeah. But more that they, that they've, they, they've been there. They know what, they know what they're doing and they, um, they coach a wide, wide range of athletes and, um, and really want to help you succeed. So I'm going to put the show in the show links, um, or the show notes are the links below. You you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um yeah. <laughs> I will put all the programs that they coach. Um, if you have any questions about which one would be right for you, you, know, you can definitely um, drop us a line at Tlam Club at anothermotherrunner.com. Um, but otherwise, uh, look forward to um, more podcasts with you guys, kind of digging in more into running, pacing, training specifics in future podcasts. And... Um, Sarah, thanks for thanks for a stellar co-hosting job today. Yeah,
0: it
2: was fun despite all the technical difficulties. But
1: you know, know. <laughs> we're, we're in, we're that. out. Yeah, we're yeah, yeah exactly. Out, yeah. yeah, awesome. All right, thanks, take ladies. care, you guys. Thank Talk you to you so soon. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. Thank
3: you so much. Thanks, guys.